0: Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast with me, Mark Cribb. Now we are getting very, very close to the 4th of July and this podcast is coming out on Tuesday, the 23rd of June, the day that we are expecting Boris Johnson to confirm the 4th as the industry reopen date and hopefully even a drop in the 2-metre rule. Now for many of you listening to this, we will already know the outcome of that uh, but with bated breath, I will leave it at that and get on with today's episode. Now, about 10 days or so ago, I was lucky enough to meet Chris Gumbrell, chief executive of Brew House and Kitchen, and I met him at my restaurant during lockdown. Now, Chris's name has come up a number of times with various people that I've chatted to, and he runs a couple of awesome local venues in my hometown of Bournemouth. But I did not realise that we live only a couple of miles from each other until very recently. Now Chris is a very experienced operator who has had both a successful corporate as well as a more entrepreneurial career in hospitality. We briefly touched on Chris's earlier career but spent more time chewing the fat on a broad range of hospitality topics from EIS funding schemes and some great perspectives on why debt is quite often not the answer, particularly relevant since the government are constantly banging on that debt is the incredible opportunity they have created for our sector and others through the CBILS process. We also have a great conversation around hospitality as part of the rejuvenation and placemaking of towns and cities. Quite often, they are the vibrancy and the lifeblood an area needs as a catalyst for investment and regeneration. Yet all too often, with high rents and taxes, such important businesses are often only marginally viable. Something surely that has to change post-Covid. Now Chris has some excellent creative thoughts on rent negotiations and how thinking outside the box and looking for win-win opportunities between the two parties can often lead to some very interesting solutions. And Chris is also planning a slow and steady reopening, testing and learning as he and the team go with some of their larger, more spacious garden venues. All in all, chatting to Chris was an utter pleasure and I'll certainly be meeting up with him for an icy cold beer and another chat in a few months to see how he and Brewhouse and Kitchen are performing. Now, before I go, you know the drill. If you're a regular listener enjoying the podcast, I would really, really appreciate your support. Any money that you can donate via our Patreon page goes on to hosting fees, technical kit and fundamentally working to get a heap of awesome guests on the show so that you can listen every week for free so if you fancy buying me a thank you beer and offering your support head over to humansofhospitality.co.uk forward slash donate thank you and enjoy the chat chris grumble chief executive of Brewhouse and kitchen thank you so much for joining me on the podcast nice hugely to be here. appreciated well you say nice to be here and actually so this is the first one i've done face to face for about three months i suppose because uh, i've had to do them all remotely obviously because we are still just to date this we are still in pandemic land but yeah. luckily i didn't know you were so local but we are we are sat on the terrace of urban reef my restaurant and if you can hear some noise in the background that is actually the ocean isn't it so it, it probably genuinely is a pleasure it's certainly but i've even got a beer chris
1: absolutely beautiful i've got a coffee how sad is that well. so, uh, but a nicely socially distance as well just exactly. in case anybody's concerned out there
0: yeah <laughs> we're so socially distance we've got uh, we've got a terrace that would probably sit about 150 people and we've got it to ourselves we? yeah we're gonna the way things unfortunately at the moment yeah we're gonna have some very jealous people looking up at us uh, wondering what on earth we did I, I came up here with my uh, my wife and kids uh, last week in the, in the heat wave and had some pizza and my wife was, just felt terrible about even sitting up here because so many people are looking at us so many people are looking at us oh, I can and imagine, I was like yeah. if they want to spend you know over a million quid on a restaurant they can come up They can, in fact they can buy it a very good deal <laughs> now and they can come <laughs> and say I'm not going to feel guilty for sitting on my own terrace on my tod, Absolutely. Uh, and having a beer and a pizza which was nice so um, right so uh, for people who don't know you uh, you've had a, a sort of fairly distinguished or long I saw you You'd won a a, a lifetime achievement award the other day, and I thought that's a bit early, surely. But you've been yeah, I know. Fifty three. Yeah, yeah. I got I got
1: the industry lifetime achievement award for uh, in October last year. So uh, yeah, that was the the Nita Awards. Yeah, it's the uh, uh, the Frank and Knowles Award for lifetime achievement in the industry. So, are uh, you supposed to retire now, or are you were? Yeah, well, to that was the thing. I was, uh, I, well, I've dubbed it in the house as the officially the Old Duffer Award because I followed David Bruce, who was the guy who invented the Firkin pub chain, yep. West Berkshire Brewery, Capital Pub Company. So if, I know David well; he's a good pal. And uh, Ian Payne, who heads up Stonegate, and Tim Martin at Weatherspoon, So I was the, wow. the fourth person to get it. So and I got this okay. watch, which I'm wearing now very proudly, Excellent. so it was just very nice. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's probably because I've got a bit of a big mouth that I got it. But I think I've been quite challenging in the last 12 months really because I quite I, I try and help UK hospitality as best I can and try and do a lot for the sector where I can so there's an element of that I think and obviously as well what we've done with apprenticeships which is very close to our hearts within brass and Kitchen yeah. right now yeah. so yeah very honoured very humbled don't deserve it I could, I could list you 10 people at the drop of a hat who deserve it more than I did, but it was very nice.
0: Excellent. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So, for people that don't know, Brewhouse and Kitchen started it in 2012, and within five years, you had 21 venues. That doesn't happen by accident, does it? You're clearly an experienced operator. Can you just give a little potted history of your yeah. of um, your background, and then what, what's Brewhouse?
1: Right, I mean, just, I mean, God, yeah, I've mean, worked out this year, it is 31 years this year, so since I left Bournemouth University, so uh, or Dorset Institute of Higher Education, as it was. So... Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from Cardiff, uh, and uh, came down here, fell in love with the place, went to uni, spent uh, uh, probably too long working for big brewers, if I'm truthful, till I was 40 years old. I only had three bosses, or three companies, with which was Bass and Green King and SNN. Had a great job uh, for Scottish Newcastle for two years, opening pubs and bars in foreign markets as part of their export beer export arm. So I had this kind of stuffy career in big brewers, where you kind of, you know, you get your company car and your suit and your uh, and your pager in those days it wasn't just thing as mobile phones and you run around trying to be a good boy and working to your KPIs and running everything as per the concept and um, I had two years just working purely with entrepreneurs uh, uh, all over the world so um, one of the best things I did was go to New York with David Bruce who was the chap who founded Firkin Chain, Slug and Lettuce he was involved in the very early stages and he had multiple investments in the US market so David took me to New York and it was a real transformational week because that was in 1998 and I got taken to Brooklyn Brewery he was a founding investor of Brooklyn Brewery and uh, you just I came back having worked for stuffy old brewers for years thinking beer will change and beer boy has it changed in the last 10 years so uh, wind the clock forward uh, uh, picked up a group of freeholds that were struggling in London about um, uh, must be 13 years ago now did a turnaround on those and sold them had a sex successful uh, out on those and one of the things we did was some very early stage, unbranded brew house and kitchen type developments. We did two, two brew pubs. And we saw the experience market growing, um, we saw the craft beer market growing, and also um, we saw that you know, service was gonna be far more important than it ever was before. And so myself and an old friend of mine became business partners, Simon Bunn, and we created brass and Kitchen, and we opened our first site in 2013. One o'clock forward, we have 20, two sites hopefully soon to be 23 if we can get back on site and uh yeah, it's um, it's been a ride. Yeah, that's a it's good fair to say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations and well done for making that so short. I, I was in danger there, especially with a lifetime achievement award. Have that been at least forty-five? Minutes. Oh no, so, there's uh, nothing
1: behind it at all. It's, um, I'm as shallow as, it, as they come, <laughs> Mark. I tell you, there's not much to talk about.
0: Yeah. And and along the way there, you, you became pretty savvy at funding because you you raise EIS funding. Yeah, I used the the early Enterprise Investment Scheme yeah. funds. yeah you see we, a lot now about sort of crowdfunding and other mechanisms? Why was that so useful?
1: I think it's a win-win. A good thing if the there's. The, the enterprise investment scheme for us, I mean, the first company I took over was a company that was in a bit of distress, and but it would been funded up by enterprise investment schemes. And of course you talk to investors and you, what was interesting is how um, really kind of unconcerned most of the investors actually were, uh, even though you actually think, well, this is a great model because people get a tax break from the cash that they put in off their next tax bill. So you put 10,000 quid into an EIS company, then you're gonna get 3,000 quid off your next tax bill if you're a higher rate taxpayer. When the company exits and makes a gain, it's capital gains tax-free. If it loses and the share price collapses, you get full tax relief down to 50p in the pound. So it's like a no-brainer for an investor. And the problem with the no-brainers is people don't get that passionate about them when they don't work. Whereas when you put your own money in and there are no tax breaks and you are subject to capital gains tax, you push a bit harder. So that was quite an interesting dynamic. And I thought, well, actually, if you could get all the EIS cash and really look after it, and and work closely with those shareholders you can get a lot more done um so i kind of learned that with the first company we've raised several eis and venture capital trust funds since and we've 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 got a core business corporate house and kitchen limited and when we have three other businesses that are uh, that we franchise into i have a uh, stake in those businesses as well and we've been able to really push quite hard uh, to have the franchise business and a uh, and, and a core business and it's worked really well mm, it's Worked really really well and of course you know the franchise model is, has been good because we run and operate a brand so there's a significant change in the uh, in the model and I think what's a shame and I've been um, talking to uh, various parties we our auditors are auditors of SAFRI's they've been lobbying for us with the Treasury UK hospitality have been lobbying is that now with what we're all experiencing with the pandemic uh, enterprise investment seems are a perfect way for uh, for people to support hospitality businesses uh, without us as hospitality operators having to be relied on on loans I get very agitated when I hear uh, politicians immediately defer to the fact that they've made so much debt available debt is debt at the end of the day whichever way you dress it up debt is debt and at the end of the day uh, we have a crisis situation we can we can ladle on as much debt as we want now to companies just to keep them alive we can furlough their teams but at some point hospitality needs to emerge from where we are now be able to stand on its own two feet pay its team without requiring furlough uh service its debt uh and and pay all the other bills like you know uh, business rates which are you know we all know are far too high and have been far too high for far too long um that um, you know prs which seems to go up every year for no reason and that's just extortionate now and Bid fees, somebody tells me what bid fees are all about. I have no idea, Talking to, looking at what bids do for the money. So I get kind of, you know, it is going to be quite tough and quite distressing for hospitality for quite some time. Now, Enterprise Investment Scheme allows existing investors to follow their money and, and support and prop up those businesses through the equity route. And all the government's got to do is support some of that funding through a tax break, which is down the road. Again, it's down the road. So it's not an immediate cash call on the government or the banks. So I think, you know, the government are missing a really big trick here and a really big opportunity. I don't want state handouts and uh, 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 no hospitality operator wants state handouts. We love standing on feet. We always put more in than we take out. And I was asked recently how I felt about the furlough scheme and the billions that it's costing. And I look at the 38 billion quid we pay in every single year in hospitality into the system. And we see other industries get bailed out and supported periodically outside of this current crisis. We never ask for anything. We get kicked and beaten and slashed and taxed to the hilt and regulated and licensed. And we never, ever get a break. And now we're getting a break and we really appreciate it. But we, it's not just about giving us debt and telling us that all our problems will be fixed by having access to more debt. It's not really fixing the problem. It's just storing up the problems and making them bigger down
0: the road. Yeah, so I think
1: enterprise investment schemes, I think have got a really big role to play. SEIS schemes you know that the rules have been tightened and tightened and tightened over the years to really prevent restaurants and bars and pubs getting access to enterprise investment scheme money and the other good thing about eis is is they could be deployed so much more effectively in local communities to get their pubs bars and restaurants open it's a really great way for communities to buy into the sector and invest into their local businesses in a really efficient way that is a win-win for everybody yeah. you still have to write a business plan and yeah you still have to respect honor and and uh, deliver value to shareholders i spent a a good deal of time of what i've been doing the last 12 weeks talking to shareholders you know and and they they got a letter yesterday from us uh and we've that's the sixth letter i think we've sent out to shareholders now since april just to tell them what we're doing and give them that support so i think enterprise investment schemes are, are one good way but there are numerous good ways that we can actually support one of the interesting things about eis is the rules changed in 2015 and we think that was clearly part of a big compliance push by David Cameron pre going into the Brexit vote. Uh, we had the change in the Finance Act and that really constrained us by topping out the amount of capping off the amount of money that we could raise, really tightening up on the types and styles of trading businesses that the EIS could be applied to. Now that was to conform with European regulations. Now we're leaving Europe. You know, and not something I personally agree with, but look, we're going and that's it, and we've just got to make the best of it. But what a great opportunity to re- all review all the rules and start again and wipe the slate clean and look at how the state through taxation can support business investment. It's so easy. Mm. It's are, the, so are the government easy. listening? I know okay, Yeah, kate, I think they kate, are. The feedback we got from the Treasury is very good. I think, to be fair to the guys at UK Hospitality, they're fighting a million battles at the moment. They are, yeah. kate on the podcast a few weeks ago. Actually. Oh, I mean, yeah. She's,
0: she's a force to be reckoned with. Isn't she is, she is, She she's, is. she's amazing.
1: and. um um, yeah you do, um, You do. You, I, I'm just being so impressed by them to be honest, and we, we uh, with their second office as well, two of the guys who work for you, Facility kind of use as a bit of an office because they live near one of our sites, so it's, we see them a lot and I'm always boring them with, yeah, with, your, my, with your ideas, my ideas and things, but they are very very patient and very supportive, but yeah I mean this is a fairly pivotal moment, I think you and I are waiting this week really to see what comes out. You very, can't help yeah. but feel they're making up as they go along a little bit, in yeah. You... Yeah.
0: Although I haven't read, uh, so so uh, UK Hospitality put a 75-page proposal together, I think, with regards to reopening, didn't they? Have you read yeah. that?
1: Yeah. Uh, I've been through in summary. I'll let them, my guys are using it as part of our operations plan. So. Uh, it, it sounded very comprehensive I haven't read 75 pages. I, I, can't, I, I think everybody thinks i been lying on a beach for 12 weeks. I've never no. worked my ass off so much as I have in the last 12 weeks. You yeah. know, and um, a lot of it doing stuff that you wish you got to sooner. You know. Yeah. But one thing is, that I haven't read a 75-page report. I have submitted our ideas as part of the canvassing uh, process that the UK hospitality went through. And yeah, on balance, we're getting, you know, I think we're getting good representation. I, people think n- that people know what we're about now. I think p- politicians know what they're about. I think Kate walks a very fine line when pro- probably going into meetings where she wants to scream at times, coming yeah. out of those meetings with politicians. But by a lip is incredibly diplomatic, incredibly balanced. And has done a good job of representing our sector yeah and i think then you can leave the kind of the more antagonizing elements of people who shout people who, uh not that i've done much of that but i think you can leave that to other people to do i think kate's got to go in and win win hearts and minds yeah really. i think
0: you've always got to try and open doors not close doors basically and that's the challenge i think when well, dealing you do with public, public authorities is that yeah there's yeah. no point there's no well, point just throwing things until they just shut the doors because love them or love them at the end of the day, you have got to oh, work yeah. with them. Absolutely, so yeah. I, I do think there seems to be an opportunity for hospitality coming off the back of this. A little bit like people falling back in love with the NHS maybe and appreciating what they do. Hospitality has held its head quite high in the last few months, you know, with its charitable support, feeding key workers, just getting the recognition about being the third biggest employer in the country. Do you feel like it, it feels like a more, I don't know, a, a better rep- represented sector now than it did three months ago? Or?
1: I think it has. I think it's... I. I, I I think we do what we do. I mean, we, I mean, first, if you take hospitality as a, an entity that we both work in, I think we've always been very fraternal, very collegiate, even though we compete with each other. I've got friends who work in retail, and it's, um, they're at each other's throats, you know? I mean, they, you know, even things like award dinners and things like that apparently, you know, it's pretty, pretty grim and fierce, and, uh, and it's very, very competitive in the retail sector, but we're just not like that. You know, when we get together, we band together, we're all very good. But I think it's because of the nature of our work the, the, you know the numbers of people that we employ and the nature of being hospitality people is that we want to be you know the sort of kinship of being in our business this sort fraternal element of being in our business is so important and I think people are now looking at us under distress and realizing what they could, could potentially lose as well uh, I mean everybody you know you talk to any politician and they, they they if you say I want you know support your pubs in the community they will say yes in a heartbeat. But they'll still sign off a beer duty increase, or they'll still sign off a business rates increase, or they'll, you know, so, or they'll regulate, or they'll, you know, they'll 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 they'll, they'll you know, beat you up for whatever you've decided to do on tips or, uh, uh, or implementation of minimum wage. So, you kind of they kind of politicians want it both ways, and I think public. I always say pubs are like children. You know, they sometimes need to be seen but not heard. I spent many years uh, working for Green King. I was a tenancy director. And we'd have two or three pubs in a village you know and 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 you knew one of the pubs had to close you know and we'd be in you know sort of east Anglia or oxfordshire where we had big presents you know and you'd had you get all the angry letters and the uh, and uh, the village hall meetings and you'd be there and saying like well, you know we've, we've got the umpteenth tenant going through this site and we are now on free rent and support and or you know and there's somebody else who's yet to go bust or need to come out of the site and people used to go mad and then uh, i always remember my old boss, who was brilliant, uh, kept asked uh, a holding manager to keep a, a table, a ledger of everybody in the village who used that pub in readiness for one of those meetings, and it was a very thin list. Yeah. And as soon as people started asking questions, he, he, he asked for their name first, so he could tick them off the list. He didn't get many questions yeah. in that village hall meeting, and I think that goes down to the fact that sometimes people will say they love pubs, a bit like post offices as well. They'll say they love pubs and they want their local pubs to be supported, but will they use them? Will they come out and really support their pubs? And I think this has focused people to think, actually, you know, we could lose them now. And I think we probably are going to lose them. I think whatever happens in the next couple of weeks and months, I think, you know, there are pubs out there and, and restaurants and bars that will never reopen. And that is a terrible, terrible tragedy because, you know, we're employing a million people. Um, but what's left, people really need to, need to get behind. and when, And when they come in, you know, don't, if you're coming in for a pint with your paper don't sit on a table of six uh, and get all, and get all grumpy if you're asked to move you know we are going to be so so stretched we've got to work to so many new guidelines which are been really new to our teams and new to us as management uh, and new to guests as well and we've all got to work together i was talking to somebody yesterday and they said he had a real fear when he opens of somebody filming some kind of breach of the guidelines and putting it on social media and then you're going to get
0: mauled and attacked and I yeah, we put it out. We, even with opening, you know, the wood oven next door to where we are now, which over the heatwaves had a had a, you know it's been really busy, and there was yeah. a lot of negative publicity, which you all have seen locally about the state of the beaches and how busy they were and how many people coming down. And you do feel like you know we work in hospitality because fundamentally we want to make people happy, yeah. we want to look after them, and we want to provide a service. Yes, we've got to make money, but, but very rarely do people wake up in the, in the morning in hospitality yeah. and start with money. They start with how can we do better today? How can we look after? And they more apply people?
1: supermarket maths to us, don't they? People say,
0: yeah, but you're charging ten pounds oh, for a bird burger yeah. you
1: know and you get applied that supermarket mass you know i can go to aldi and buy a burger for this x amount and i put a bum with it and you're thinking yeah. you show them the business rates bill that's yeah, the first I've, one yeah. and then show them the prs and the bid fees and I've, the and yeah. the wait, and then the wage bill yeah. i've always said spent, anybody
0: who wants to go through our accounts i've always said look to anybody complaining about yeah. price send them down to me we I spend, have we have spend about 400 grand a
1: year on weight wa- on training yeah. You know, yeah. we've spent a fortune on training while I'm in furlough just to, because we're so concerned about people's welfare yeah. whilst they're furloughed. So we've spent a huge amount in training, which I'm really pleased to do. I don't resent it. Yeah, in absolutely, yeah. It's an investment, you know, but yeah. but there is so much more to it. And people's expectations are so much higher. The expectations on price are broadly flat to getting slightly lower. And I think, you know, we want to give people a great experience and good value for money. But, um, you know, now is the, you know, it's a clarion call really for us to say, look, you've got to support your local restaurant, bar pub yeah. uh, now because they're going to need it and when you come in be a bit patient be a little bit understanding if you've got a problem or if you see something that's not appropriate discuss it with the management because we're all still learning right yeah. now don't start sticking it on social media and, and it gets shared by thousands and Look yeah, how clever and, and you it's are. somebody's well, you, it. well I know. mean,
0: it's just you know, it's just the extension of uh, TripAdvisor, isn't it? Is that people don't realise the amount of work and effort and he, the human aspect of what's going on. Oh, I can scenes. destroy a team, and, um, absolutely, and we well, yeah, destroy a team, destroy a business. You know, it's like yeah. it's like with us. You know, people, people. You know, some people will complain about us opening, and I'm like, look, we're not. You know, we're not owned by a board of directors in London with, with millions of pounds of investment. It's like you know, I, I, I will lose my house unless mm. I find a way to navigate through this. You know, that's that's the reality of, of where we're at. <laughs> What's frustrating is that everybody, you know, you know, says yeah they'll be supportive and and they'll help, and then you look at the size of the queues for the McDonald's drive-through in the last ten days since they reopened. You know, the two-hour wait for 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 I was gonna swear then about that. I really don't want to get sued. And then you know, I've I've opened the Urban Beach as a drive-through on a Friday and Saturday night only for sort of seven hours a weekend, and you look at how hard it is to get people to come out. And buy some food there, and yeah, people say one thing, like you said, with the with the village pub and stuff. Yeah, they and I'm not being critical
1: of customers. I just no, wanted absolutely. people to take, you know, if you can't do it consciously. I've had this. I did a part. I did a. Um, uh, I gave uh, evidence at a parliamentary hearing last year about the pub sector. Yeah. And you know, it's very interesting when you eyeball, really eyeball MPs, who you know, it's they you know, these are it's the all-party parliamentary beer group anyway. So it's the pub and beer group, you know, the guys who you know they're on side anyway. But but how much do you really care? How much do you really, really care about our sector? Because, you know, there's lots of fine words about how people want to support us and what they want to do for pubs, restaurants, bars. I keep talking about pubs. Um, uh, And actually what gets delivered in reality. And, um, you know, we are big. And I think what's been brilliant in the last couple of years with um, the old ALMR getting together with the restaurant association, the nightclub guys, and us forming UK hospitality is that we can look anybody in the say we're the third largest uh, employer in the UK, we're the third largest sector, our taxation is through the roof, I mean 38 billion quid every single year going into the system. We take nothing, we give everything, we have been responsible. Look at the capex that goes goes on within our sector, you know you get a derelict town centre, you get an old docks that's dirty, dark and undeveloped, Uh, you get any kind of, uh, you take the high streets now, what's happening in the high streets? and you hear it time and time again, I hear it from MPs, even from local councillors, even down here, is that um, leisure will pick up the slack. They will pick up the space, and we won't anymore. Yeah. We won't. And you've got to look after the leisure you've got. And you mentioned earlier on about you know directors in London. I mean, you've got big companies now who are wobbling. Mm. Big, big firms who are wobbling like mad and I'm not going to mention names there but there's going to be some real eye-opening yeah, things happening that, in well the next will, couple of weeks we are will, getting close to the rent quarter
0: we are and, yeah, and as JD would say it's uh the imminent implosion of our sector uh, absolutely yeah, and it's because the thing is about hospitality is that it is placemaking you know we're, we're sat here on me this this beach would not be the same Without some sort of bar where you can sit at the back of it and grab a coffee and grab a beer, absolutely. Town centres, you know, we we regenerate areas with it. For me, the point of being on planet Earth is to spend time with friends and family over some food or over a drink. It's it's the point behind existence, isn't it? Absolutely. Surely, it's more exciting than yeah, nipping into a shop or nipping into a bank or or doing everything online. Yet you're absolutely right. You know, well, you would hope
1: that you can't do what we do online. You would. now so yeah. so but you know again why should we be uh, why should we pay 12 percent of the business rate to take on the high street but be f- less than five percent of the revenue
0: i don't know chris it sounds so
1: so, <laughs> so so why why does that happen why does that happen you know we are we're the, we're the, we're the horse that's going to win the race if you back us now and you yeah. give us the support now we're going to be able to step into that space on the high streets up along with a lot of other planning challenges around yeah. you know bringing residential i mean i keep on getting asked why, you know, we've got a couple of high street sites, and they worry me. They do worry me at times. But I'm convinced that high streets will be reclaimed into residential, and high streets will be communities in the next 10 or 15 years' time. When reality sets in, but even when you sit at a local level and you listen to councillors talk about frustrations with planning teams who are so hung up on zoning, about leisure is here, and retail has to be there, and list of buildings officers, you know. Offices, you know this, this postcards from the past attitude that we have. Around. I and mean, I've had so many battles with listed buildings officers, and I use the square wheel analogy, you know. They are happy to keep a, 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 a wheel square because it's always been square, but the square wheel is not fit for purpose. And we had it in Bournemouth Town Centre, you know, battling about bloody fireplaces. I mean, give my time again on that site, I probably wouldn't have done that development and spent the money that we spent and created the jobs we created because we compromised too much with listed buildings. We should have walked away from the site, and I've learned that lesson, and I will walk away again because the buildings and that is going to be a massive challenge coming to the high streets is listed buildings are going to have to suck it up and and keep quiet and listen to what the people who understand how the future is going to look and go with that because otherwise we're going to try and hang on to the past and these buildings these shops are going to be boarded up and closed down and they will fall apart and they will change hands and in the end they will collapse mm. and it's, we've got to be more progressive in our thinking
0: Is that because the one in the town centre the, the, the sort of uh, restrictions were prohibitive to making an effective space for Yeah
1: purposes? I mean it was battles about fireplaces that don't work and things like that haven't worked for years but want to keep the fireplaces in place and locations of staircases and actually I could have opened up that site so much I mean I'd, you know, it's one example I could list you several examples I mean, I've been, you know, told to keep certain fire uh, staircases in place, but block up the top so you have a fireplace that goes nowhere. And I've walked around and uh, and 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 and. Uh you know, with listed buildings, officers start photographing everything, and they say, "Well, I want, I want to get a record of all of this." And you suddenly feel terrified of
0: investing yeah, in your yeah, business. Right. You know, you often so, feel like their their job is to make it harder rather than simpler. The problem, well, yeah. I I've mean, as I said, mean you
1: know, listen, I, you know, you know, we all, you know, we're members of the National Trust, and I love, yeah, exactly. um, um, you know, you love the history and uh, 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 of this country and and what we've done. But if we try, you cannot change what is happening right now by hanging onto the buildings. We've got to allow these buildings to adapt and change. And uh, and and I, you know, uh, uh, it's it's you know, it's planning policy fit for purpose, or is planning, you know, and actually, a planner's fit for purpose sometimes, you know, particularly where you're dealing with planners who are part time, and you know,
0: or you hear that they're working as consultants in another borough. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how does um, that work? And my problem with planning consultants all too often is that it's based purely on what they like or what they don't like, and I'm like, how is that relevant? I had problems in my house, and and I was like you know you're not going to live here i'm going to live here so just because you don't like it yeah. i understand if it's part of planning regs or if there's an issue but you don't like it i'm like don't come over i was I had no plans on inviting you over for lunch yeah. on a regular basis i mean we're so.
1: writing the checks I mean, we wouldn't write the checks unless we could see um uh, and i'm a big believer in working with the sympathy of, of the building what yeah. we've done at southbourne i think is, ah, is fantastic that, yeah. um you know i think what we achieved at southbourne which interesting it wasn't a listed building. Thankfully, yeah. um, otherwise you probably would have walked away from that one I'd still be boarded
0: up. Well, I was going to say, so so right, Southbourne, yes. I wanted to talk to you about that, even if we weren't having a podcast, because that was uh, an amazing space. It had an amazing history. I used to go there as a, you know, sort of 17 year old. Steamhouse, Rock Knights. Yeah, yeah the exactly. Hops, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the Rock Nights, And it was it was brilliant. And I looked around it because I was like, oh, man, what an incredible space. So I went and looked around it. And there was a couple of things that I noticed. One, it was massive. You know, it was absolutely huge. And it really came to light like, sort of how big it was when you went upstairs and it was something like six different flats and they were like they weren't like one bed flats, they were like two, three bedroom yeah, yeah, flats. Yeah. I fell through the floorboards. I really wanted to get that site because it's a you know, it's an amazing, amazing space but I thought, my God, you know, you're going to need a big, big pot of cash to get that back open. it needed a lot of work. So, yeah, how did you come about getting that one? And was it as, as eye wateringly expensive as I thought it would? Yeah, it was. Yeah, good, because uh, yeah. otherwise I, would, I wanted it. Yeah, yeah. it was I a good sort it. of...
1: Uh, I think we spent uh, more than... T- probably two and a half times what we thought it was going to cost us. Right. In the Great. end. But we fell in love with the building. And the thing is, living down here as well, I mean, it, it, the, 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 the history of the site is the site... Was part of a big property estate um, where a big pub company had obviously done a, an Opco Propco structuring a few years ago. So the freehold was owned by uh, a, a company that was, you know, not in, that just owned lots of pubs. And they had sublet the pub to a pub company, a tied lease pub company. And the keys had been thrown back. Uh, on that site back in 2008 it
0: was a ridiculous lease as well wasn't it? it was really expensive
1: yeah buy. well what the way it, what was happening is that the um the passing rent from the pub company well i can't say too much other than the fact the passing rent to, from the pub company to the uh to, to the freehold owner was eye-watering. Yeah, it was. To put it was absolutely eye-watering. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, you do think, that, well, I know who signed that yeah. agreement, but that's <laughs> another story. Yeah. I put it to them once <laughs> over lunch and yeah. uh, they, they decided not to sit with me after, <laughs> after, the, after the main course. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you, so what we did, we just negotiated a purchase price on the freehold and then we negotiated a reverse premium, right. which is effectively where a landlord, is, uh, a tenant is so hamstrung by their lease, they have to pay Premium, and I've done two of these actually, uh, where I've, I've had pubcos pay me to walk away from yeah. uh, head leases, which is uh, quite useful. Yeah. And so it kind of underwrites the cost a little bit. It kind of broadly makes it underwrites the freehold acquisition really to a degree. You wonder why they didn't do the deal, but but we just I just had this feeling that you know we knew we had a great community to work with in Southbourne, and it is a fantastic community. It is. And um, we knew we had a good community to work with. You could see the direction of travel in Southbourne with. You know what was happening there already with people like David and Nicola down at the White Bear, uh, the chap who's done Larder House. uh, You know, even loungers going in there. You know, you just think, yeah, there's a real good feeling about this. Every the property looked really underpriced, and you're thinking, yeah, this place is going to go nuts. You could just feel it. Uh, I don't know what it was. And of course, when you're running a big pub company at the other side of the country, you don't know those things. So, and living down here, yeah, I just no, thought. So, perfect. everybody. Yeah, was a great, great and of course, it was falling down. I knew there was a lot of emotion. I remember going to the site when I was a student, you know, and getting, you know, slaughtered there. So, uh, you kind of remember it all, and everybody was very fond of it. And as soon as we announced that we bought it, it just went mad. Yeah, it just went absolutely. Huge, yeah, massive. I mean, we. Uh, and I did a walk around for the Echo uh, as well, and it was quite breathtaking how bad it was you know it really was <laughs> it really did need to it really, well you walked around I, I mean did? the fact yeah, yeah, there was yeah. two there was three ceilings yeah. uh, in some parts of it, <laughs> it different just, ceilings you know and of course yeah, it was it but was yeah I mean enough. now you know we've now got plans provisional plans uh to turn it back into a hotel upstairs yeah. so we've got three holiday flats at the moment plus two other flats plus loads of accommodation yeah. for staff and everything else so we got we got plans to turn it Probably next year. Now we would have started it this year. But we'll probably go for it next year. Yeah, that'd be amazing. To, space, to, to, yeah, yeah A I mean it's, it's it's been wonderful, and and we did the final part of the current building back last year, where we converted the old the garages at the back into uh, function space, function right. and event space. Yeah. So it's been good. But we prided ourselves, uh, nine of our sites in the entire group. Uh, were derelict closed or weren't pubs before.
0: Well, it was reinforcing the point that we were chatting about, which was, you know, the number of people here, even though I'm on the seafront, who think that I get some sort of council support to be here. They said, oh, the council must be really helpful. You know, they always help you out. Even with rent negotiations at the moment, we're being closed. Oh, they must be great. It must be really good having the council as a landlord. And, and there's just this presumption that you're part of the placemaking. It's like, oh, we only come here. You know, you've really transformed... Boscombe it was known as a bit of a shithole you know you know yeah Yeah, yeah. and and, you you have yeah but you don't get you get the opposite to support I get I I get on well with them now they've had our our challenges uh, historically but you certainly don't get any financial support even if you get a few more claps and cheers now but it's the same as you were saying you you know you, you you get taxed in the same way that you wouldn't have had any support with that mm. building. But not only are they not being supported, they're potentially making it harder. But what you did there helped transform Southland. Because that was a big property. It was derelict for years. It looked a mess. You lifted you know, the high street by renovating it. And that's well, the estate agent said to us it do, was the right?
1: single biggest question they had about the high street. Yeah. And when we actually announced that we bought it, the first thing that we did was rustle up visuals of the outside. Because it was such a problem to the estate agents in the area they were asking us to say what's it going to look like What's gonna look? so I said there you go and I just give them one of those asymmetric uh, visuals you know the flowers and the baskets and the side. so there you go show them that it will look like that eventually yeah. actually we turned it around much quicker than I thought I think we was a nine month project but it was two mil you yeah. spent on it, you know. Yeah. Well,
0: that, that's that's, that's developing it, yeah. you know. So yeah, that was yeah, a big yeah. ticket, let, let, let big, big
1: bought. number, a real yeah. ballsy call for us. It was, but I'm not yeah, gonna, it was
0: fairly early, was it? What number was that in your 21? Oh, god,
1: it was like seven or eight, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, was gonna say, I, I remember it being we exploded early. in 2015 16. We just went nuts. Yeah, um, but I was, if, I
0: was gutted that you got it because I really wanted it, but I was so pleased you got it because I knew that I couldn't afford it and it was going to be expensive. So I'm yeah. quite pleased it was a good that's kind of pretty much what yeah, I it was, it was it a big roll of the dice. And my business partner
1: who runs all the property side, he kept me, Portal Simon, we said, oh, "Cost has gone up again," and you guys go, "Okay, what have we found?" And he said, "Well, they stole all the rent lead off the roof. Somebody's nicked all the lead off the roof, so we're going to need, effectively, need to replace the roof." Now that building it's is huge. a monster. So we had to, uh, so we had to. Literally, you could stand. And then we realized all the floors are rotten upstairs. So you and I, on viewings, I even took. Chris Mayne, the councillor at the time, around the upstairs, it was condemned. We shouldn't yeah, have been up there in yeah, the front. <laughs> we couldn't even check the back of the building because yeah. it was so rotten. Yeah. Uh, but basically, 500 quid worth of leg going off the roof meant a yeah. 300 grand roof That's needed to really be fitted. Really. To I'm just it, pleased that so. you did
0: it because I, what I thought is somebody's going to come and knock this down and rebuild it it's a block of flats. Well, it was an option. So I'm, just I'm really, really pleased. Yeah, I mean, that no, you I factored it, it in. Pub. I thought
1: if this cost, if <laughs> I, for what was most bizarre, I remember saying to myself, if this cost goes past 1.6 million. I'll just turn it into houses. Yeah. I'll just get planning for houses on it. In fact, it went over that in the end. But the, p- the good thing is, the pivotal point for us was when the locals started to get behind it, yeah. we went, yeah, this is going to be a big one. This yeah. is going to be really good for us. Mm-hmm. And it was, but we did it, you know, our first site was a derelict uh, um, a, a Wetherspoons pub. It was too small for them in Portsmouth. Our second site was an old Eldridge Pope pub on the Eldridge Pope Brewery development. That'd been shut for three years and was derelict. We remodeled that site. You know, so we um, we've always gone in um, and and toughed it out and gone for stuff that we think is not. No, we're not. We're not. Um, it's not alchemy, you know. We're not turning you know you know crap into gold. But we're, we're just we're just going out there and looking for things that bigger companies missed. Yeah. And I remember I saw it for Green King. I know the Green King boys very well, and they acquired the company that we were buying the head lease from. I won't say who it was, but you know you can probably easily narrow it down. Ringing the property director was a friend of mine saying. You're not going to take this deal off the table, are you? And he said, "No." Nah, he said, "We looked at it. He said it's rubbish." And he said, "We've looked at the, you know, we've looked at the the area and we've looked at it on Google Maps." And I was thinking, "Great, you know, yeah. great." Big companies do things that way. Yeah. They they walk up and down the street on a computer and they don't get the vibe and they don't get the energy and they don't get they don't they, talk to the they community. They don't remember going
0: there when they were 18 and getting shitfaced. Yeah. Get exactly right. So
1: uh, oh god, it was mad. I mean, we. T- um, we just, I remember the, the first week we opened it, we just couldn't believe what was happening, yeah. no, it was great, and it's still, it's still, and actually, um, I can announce today, it will be the first pub to reopen. Really? Yeah, oh, out wow. of the whole of the UK for Brian oh, and Kay, wow, it's because we're all close to it, yeah, uh, yeah, we know we yeah. have the following. You're thirsty. Well, yeah, yeah, because we're nervous, you know, I mean, yeah. like all operators, are. you'll be nervous, we're all nervous, aren't we, we're all yeah. thinking, well, how the hell is this going to go, you know, what's yeah. going to happen? And we know we've got the space. I've got an amazing GM in there, Doc, um, uh, who's uh, just a really experienced guy and very capable uh, uh, and just very cool as well. You know, he never panics and he's always, He's always very, uh, he'll probably want a pay increase if he listens yeah, to this. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But he, not um, gonna he's not sh- going to put anybody rubbish on out on your door but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he But he's, he's super fit. He runs he runs up and down here every day. You'll see him in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll ask if poach poach to, him if he wants a I'll ask
0: him if he wants a job, yeah.
1: No, but I mean, you know, the thing is, I've got a guy in there's not going to panic as well, you know, yeah. and we'll deal with people really well because we are worried, you know, we are worried about, you know, what this is going to be like. But, you know, that'll be the first one that we'll open. And yes, it's been a triumph for us, as actually the best returns always are. We tend to spend them obviously the most on the sites that sort are of derelict or closed. Yeah. Well,
0: um, you're also known for predominantly being freehold, aren't you, rather than lease?
1: Yeah, yeah, we are 75 percent freehold, and that's yeah. deliberate. So you must yeah, have yeah. Well, it's part good. of the um, it's part of the it's way. If you know, at the end of the day, if you want to raise money, um, you know, investors want protection, and if you can give them a good brand, which I think we've got a decent brand, you've got a business that can grow, and, has, and it has grown. Uh, you've got a business that's current and relevant. So whether it's craft beer. Uh, you know our experience business is closing on a million pounds a year just for beer master classes gym master classes right. so that you know we have a lot of innovation in that area a huge amount of experience now we're certainly in the drink sector for experiences we're the market leader now so you know you can give all those investors tick 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 and you can underpin it with freeholds
0: mm, yeah, perfect. It's, yeah.
1: it's, it's a pretty good investment for people and actually I like freeholds. I'm not having many battles with landlords. I was going to say you must have few, given yourself but, a but decent,
0: I, well, you've been quite reasonable on rents in this closure period. You know?
1: um, I have to say, I mean, I've been watching all the dialogue and you and I follow the same people, I'm sure. And I look yeah. at all the, the, the really valid opinions that are flying around. I also see a lot of rhetoric and I think I can see things backfiring a little bit. and It worries me. Um, and I've, I've got a couple of retail leisure landlords. I've got three retail leisure development site landlords and I've got a couple of private commercial landlords. I don't do pub co-leases I'm not into that at all and uh, you know I don't I have to say I mean obviously the beer tie for us is not relevant or interesting but outside of that there is no market for them and, and if I put a pub co-lease into a group of pubs now they're seen as a toxic pill as a poison pill in a deal so I'm re for me and a lot of people out there will have a different view but I, I, I don't support them now. And I wouldn't bring him in. And I'd speak as an ex-tenant in least lease director the Green King. Right. you know, we, we know what so, you're talking about then. So yeah. no, well, I just, I just <laughs> don't think the cake's big enough anymore. I think they just want too much. Right. And I think, and I feel very sorry because the tenants costs have increased uh, proportionately greater than the landlord's costs. All the landlord has seen in the last 10 years is lower interest rates. Yeah. Yeah. And the tenant has had to suck up all the rest. So I don't get it anymore. And, yeah. and I said, I speak from being on the other side yeah. of the fence. But uh, no, I, I have to say, I mean, I've taken the attitude of, um, you can get aggressive with landlords, and you can be pointed and get emotional with landlords, and, you know, but they've got people breathing down their necks. And, and I've tried to take a different I did a deal last week um, with a landlord. Um, I tried to take a different approach because he had something that I wanted, which was extra space. And he had something, uh, he wanted something that I had, which is, is some capacity to pay some rent. And of course, you know, we've got to be challenging about this thing, so we're not getting any income and we're going to be spending probably the best part of 10,000 quid per site in terms of sanitising stations, screening, everything else, and we haven't had any revenue. I dread to think how many millions of pounds of revenue I've lost in the last 13 weeks. You It'd know, be a lot. So, so yeah, and Especially of course I've got, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter how good your bank covenants are, if you're not taking any money at all, you've got, to, you've got a problem, you've got to talk to your banks. So, um, so it is tough for everybody, but I've tried to be collaborative and i've tried to listen to the landlord side of things as well and and i have to say on balance i'm very happy you know we've got all sorts of mixture of different things going on we've got enhanced deals and uh, we've got the usual things where some people have said well i'll just we'll waive the rent or we'll defer payments or we'll give you breaks but people have been more creative in some areas as well and they've talked about giving you extra space and you know coming up with investment plans coming out of the back of this and all sorts of other things and i think you you've got to write your own balance scorecard and i don't want to i try not to listen to too much of the noise going on somewhere else because they're expecting you to come at them with all of that. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I've had, uh, and I've said at one discussion, negotiation last week, so I'm not gonna give you that. I'm gonna give you something else to think about. And I, if you sit and think for long enough in any negotiation, you'll find things that work for you and things that work for them.
0: Yeah. It just feels like it needs to be shared, basically, doesn't it? You can't put 100% of the burden. On no, and, I, and I, got, I haven't had one landlord try to do
1: that. I haven't it. had one landlord try to do that at all. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I have to say, I mean, the most interesting one was TFL, who we never... They came up with a, bl- a blinding proposal, and we didn't even go, any gone to them. We, they were on our list of landlords to ring, and they just came up with something. We thought, wow, if we got that off everybody else, we'd be absolutely laughing. Which effectively isn't, you know... Uh, I wanted not go into too much, but it was a great deal, you know. It was a fairly recognised and a fact, but again that's a um, that's a public body now people yeah. would supply the same principle you to say well, surely the council are being sympathetic yeah. and down here you can't say it i will i'm not a council tenant, Danny. i don't think they have been very sympathetic i think they've just gone into they've just seized up they've just terrified of making any call either we've way got, down here we've got
0: we've got an unofficial truce chris that's what we've got we've got uh, uh, is that yeah, what's I happening can, yeah, yeah basically i think for me uh and, and not everybody would agree with this locally some people need clarity sooner and and i've not been desperate to do a deal because i've been like it's very hard to negotiate at the moment until we know what coming out the other side looks like so you just touched on this you know what what is it going to be like and, and for me if i'm going to be closed you know down here on the seafront there there is a very strong case to say that we shouldn't open until April next year we shouldn't we should just skip the winter but the difference between oh, you know how your
1: number's is going to look after November after October
0: I mean it's oh, a waste of time now well we run at a loss anyway in the winter yeah, but normally yeah. we have the we have the the revenue from the summer to carry us through the winter but absolutely it makes sense to shut the only reason we generally open is to keep the team employed ready for the summer but we can't afford to carry the team through this winter so you know, until we've got a bit more clarity it, and maybe if, you know, if we get to trade for July and August and it rains for two months, that's very different to mm. having an absolutely stonk in July and August. So personally, I've kind of been said, look, let's sit around a table over a coffee when you've got enough crap to be dealing with in the town hall at the moment. Yeah. We'll meet up at the end of the summer, we'll make a plan and we'll see where we're absolutely. at. Absolutely, and, uh, and, and, and I don't know where we're at at the moment, absolutely so I feel right. in no hurry to negotiate. Yeah, no, you're right. I
1: mean, I always think work out, the, I mean, you know, work out the win-wins. Look at things that they can give you which don't cost them that much and look at the things that they really need. Because what I've learned as well, and as I said I'm not going to go into too much detail, but uh, when you get to a situation where you're talking to the MD of a very well-known retail leisure, you know, the guy is talking about massive redundancies in his own team, uh, keeping his investors at bank, a, a, and his bankers at bay. You know, the guy's got a world on his shoulders, you know, and actually someone I agonized in one discussion, and we came up with a great, well, I thought it was a really good plan. Well, I think, mean, you, you, as I said, do your balance scorecard, look at all the things you want to achieve you know whether it's deferment of payments, whether you feel because there is no added value that can come any the way that maybe a, wave, a, a waiver is the right thing to do. You've got to look at it in the context of how much rent you're paying, and I, I was talking to somebody the last week who asked rang me for advice, and I said, and he, when he told me all his rent is, I said, if I was you, I'd just pay your rent and shut your mouth, because yeah, that's exactly. an absolute bargain. Exactly. Yeah. So, and yeah. don't put the guy under any pressure. If he yeah. gets external advice, you could be
0: yeah, strung exactly. up yeah, yeah. at the
1: next review. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah, I mean, you know, if they can secure rent now, try and get future rent resu- reviews resolved, yeah. uh, a great win f- is to extend the lease if you're happy there they need leverage for the bank and one of the ways they can leverage the negotiation in a rent discussion is by you maybe tagging on an extra year on the lease now if that suits you yeah. because you're quite happy to be there you know if the circumstances are right the p and is working you can kind of map out your rent I like RPIs I mean I, I, I've got I like RPI rent I like to know where I am yeah. how much yeah. is going to go by Captain Collard and you don't fall out with anyone. Yeah. No,
0: it's it's true. Yeah, you don't yeah, fall
1: out with yeah. anyone. You know where they are. It's a business race. Yeah. I but spent it, years arguing with tenants when I was in Green King about, you know, why are you complaining now? <laughs> you know. You know, I mean you knew it was a tied lease, you knew what the rent yeah. structure was gonna be. And of course it's not worked, <laughs> and it's all somehow all my fault, you know. And sometimes it is, and people haven't yeah. done their jobs to support a tenant and, and sometimes just things go wrong and you'll always blame the landlord.
0: Yeah, I think you learn as life goes on. I think in the early days you find, you fall in love with the premises and you just want it and you, you'll almost do anything. And then later, yeah, it comes oh back yeah, to buying yeah, And that. you realise, to be fair, Richard, who, who we were chatting about earlier, who you know is my landlord of the town centre, perfectly logical, rational human being. He's a businessman. He's a deal with. He looks at it. He goes, yeah, zero revenue. You know, we'll, we'll, whatever the deal is, we'll come to a deal that kind of reflects that, and it's yeah. fine. And it's, it's, you know, again, it's like we haven't even agreed yet because at the minute I'm like, look, I don't know when I can reopen, and I don't know when I can reopen what yeah. that will look like. So let's, we know we'll do a deal. We'll sit around the table and we'll thrash it out later. And to be fair to the council, they've been very good in the fact they've not they've not hassled me. I've kind of put my point of view. They've put their point of view, and I said, look, yeah. let's reconfigure when we know a little bit more, and, and also let's sit around the table. Let's not try and organise this by Zoom because much as Zoom has taken over a lot of people's lives, oh. I, li- I like sitting face to face with somebody. And just tell the truth, show them the numbers. You know, chew the fat and, 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 and be pretty. Yeah, there are no numbers. I mean, yeah. you know, I look at our cash burn
1: uh, on a monthly basis, and you're thinking, well, I've got 420 staff furloughs. Yeah. I have got a skeleton, skeleton team still working, but I've got security costs, we've got pest control issues, which you have to ramp up, particularly in London. Yeah, You know, because soon as soon as the humans aren't around, you've really got to defend your properties yeah. against things like that. You know, you've got uh, you know concerns. We were worried about things like riots at the beginning and stuff like that, and burglaries. Actually, touch wood, that's been uh, that's been okay. Um, we've had one fire, <laughs> which was in, which was in a vineyard, so that's okay. Um, you know, but you've got this cash burn anyway. And know. this is
0: cash, presumably. So you haven't needed to go for a Seabills app, but no. you had you had money that I guess was ring ring fenced or earmarked for further. Well, we don't have money ring fenced for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> no, we, I guess ca- it was we have we have res- we have reserves. Yeah, we yeah. did have
1: reserves. We've got a development on site, and we've slowed that down a little bit. But um, you know, we are. Um, you know, we 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 were we were in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's pretty good, good shape too. Into it, not in perfect shape. And I, uh, you know, at the end of the day. You can't last forever. No. You know, nobody can. I mean, any business any business can last this
0: for too long was probably sat on too much cash at the beginning of it. <laughs> well I think the, the, the backdrop coming into this was the perfect storm scenario. We're gonna have a helicopter fly overhead in a minute. So uh, we'll, we'll see, see yeah. how the mic see how the mic copes. Um, but you know you had you had tough trading conditions on the high street, didn't you? Or, you know, in general yeah. you had high costs. We had a you period had of
1: stasis for three years, yeah, yeah with, you, had, with you, Brexit. Had, you had Brexit. Nothing you was
0: had the multiple elections, then we had a very wet, stormy kind of winter. So for us, you know, it's, it's the most uh, challenging. I'll let that, I'll let 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 that fly pause. over. Okay, so they're making perfect. sure that we're stood apart, Chris. That's all right. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks military actually, is it? doesn't it? I'll turn know, it. Yeah. I'll turn no, you're it. right. I mean, you know, we've, we've had everything conspiring
1: against us, but you know what? Um, that's the good thing about hospitality. I mean, retail, it seems seems to be extremely fragile. I mean, years ago, I got involved. The, it was when they were changing licensing laws, and I got to work on one these these um, working parties, you know where government do these focus groups, they've already decided what they're going to do but they can tell everybody that they've consulted and I was at one in London. Sounds like my meetings. But no. And you know there's a coffee station there and you get all the kind of civil servants and one guy said to the other and they stood in front of me and he said, um, pretty much set what they're gonna, what's going to happen anyway, and the other guy said yeah, and he said the good thing about this lot is they're self-healing yeah. and it was a very interesting statement I heard and yeah. I sort of walked back and I was, my, I remember the coffee cup was shaking in the saucer, I was that bloody angry. Yeah you know the, the, and, and pubs and hospitality has always been self-healing you know you kind of chuck stuff at us be it taxation be it regulation, be it licensing be it as I said PRS increases bids, fees all this nonsense um, that you know we have to wade through and yes yeah, some, some of these things are very beneficial to us and useful and some things are just taxed by the back door and you um, we just deal with it but yeah. this, this we can't deal with this now yeah. We can't deal with no, it, no, and no, we well, are so vulnerable to it. Yeah.
0: Yet, like I said, such an important part of the reason to live on planet Earth, and 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 yeah, you know, absolutely. Making, if it defines making, us
1: who so. we are, I don't want to live my rest of my life in uh in my living room.
0: No, 100%. I <laughs> think no, we need you to be know, as nice as it is with my yeah. wife
1: and my daughter. It's wonderful, and now having the time with
0: my daughter. Now, being homeschooled is lovely. Yeah. How yeah. old's your daughter? She's 13. Okay. Yeah, so, so I have an 11 and 12-year-old at home as well, which yeah. has been fun. My wife's my wife's a teacher. She's gone back to work a couple of days a week All to right, help okay. out because the finances are uh, yeah. a little stretched from the business perspective. Um, so, yeah, I've got them for the next... A couple of days actually, but it's been, good. it's been good. It's been good to spend a bit of time with them. Uh, conscious of time, which we're going to run out of very shortly so you've got to go. Um, reopening then, you said we're nervous about it, you're going to kind of open one first. <laughs> I saw some statistics. I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Carl from, I think it's CGA, but the, the guys behind the stats of the industry. You know, there's a lot of people. It's not just a case of saying, okay, you can open on either the 22nd or the 4th or whatever it is, and the industry will bounce back. Most operators are saying that, you know, not only they won't, but they can't open all their venues. On the same day but there doesn't seem to be a rush to just go okay great here we go we're straight into profitability what are the considerations for you around reopening and your your biggest kind of concerns
1: my um it's david i'm seeing
0: my um
1: the biggest concern is going to be cash uh the cash burn in the first couple of weeks so we're modeling every site's p and l i'm not prepared to just sit back and open and just burn cash because then it's going to put jobs at risk um, so we can't do that um, we've got the get the right level of investment that you um, we're very we are going to invest and we are going to make the environments as safe as we possibly can because we get that wrong uh, you know that's going to be a problem for us so we have to um, we have to make sure that we um, you know we get the right sites open we're going to focus on the big garden sites because everyone knows that gardens are going to make people uh, safe, feel safer we've just had a, a survey completed across our business with service monitor group so we've we've talked to nearly 3,000 guests on our own database and uh, interesting point that was made is that our, our guests are not frightened of us they're frightened of each other really yeah, yeah really which is a great statement yeah, actually and yep. actually when, when asked about two meters or one meters wherever the government regulate people want two meters more than one yeah so that's interesting dynamic and what do you do about that now by having that in place means that it'll make the regulation the regulation environment around social distancing slightly easier for us if it's one meter but we still got to be conscious of the fact people will want space between each other you can't just it's not a license just suddenly pack them all in again yeah. so we've got to be mindful of that um, so we're going to take a phased approach we're going to open five sets five five sites over five days and we're going to take a breath yeah. and we're going to see how they are uh, the whole of the senior management team are going to be working in the business alongside the managers we're just constantly going to be talking to people and that'll be nationwide so we're going to really Scattergun um, uh, across, uh, you know, we'll be there's one in London that we picked out it's in the first tranche. Uh, down here, we'll pick a couple. We've got good garden sites on the south coast, so there'll be a couple more down here that will go first. And um, yeah, and then we'll just listen. We'll talk to people um, and um, see how people are feeling. There'll be a huge amount of lessons learned. Um, we've been training our staff now for 12 weeks. So we run running leadership programs. We've been driving up our specialist training we have a system We use Flow for our induction training, we've brought our Flow up to date. Nearly every team member now has completed, fully completed their induction. Ours is quite intense because of all the beer knowledge we expect from people. Yep. So, you know, we've got our people ready. We've got to get people in the right mindset. We've done a huge amount of welfare support uh, for our teams because people have earned 80% pay and nothing to do for 12 yeah. weeks. And, um, and uh, so we've been concerned, you know, how people be filling their time. It's not for us to tell them how to fill their time, but we're just keeping an eye yeah. that people haven't, you know, you know, people's health is okay, mental health, physical health. We've been doing mental health first aid training with a few of our, uh, quite a few of our more senior management in the business uh, at operational level. So, yeah, we've got lots to do. And um, I feel confident that we're uh, in as good a place as we can be. We need the guests to come. We need our guests to be patient and supportive and understanding that we might not get it right sometimes people will forget a bit of the protocol the new protocols having to relearn their 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 jobs now but i do think that they're um um you know there's going to be some opportunity out there in the long term we're looking at uh, potential fundraising right now as well so obviously if uh you know, if the opportunity presents itself, you need to be ready. Yeah, it's bound that. to be some, I think, isn't it? But, I uh, yeah, the I mean, last thing I want, I, I want to do is um, is, is, is lose anybody mm-hmm. along the way. My fear right now with furlough, and I'm speaking generally not about my business particularly, is an awful lot of people currently on furlough are probably unemployed. Absolutely. They just don't know yeah. it yet. Yeah, and, um, hundreds of thousands, I would say. I would say you're probably right. Yeah. And uh, I need to make sure that, uh, that I work as damn hard as I can for my team and myself and my business partner committed in March when we, sh- the bu- we shut the business ahead of, the, of when Boris uh, uh, told us to close. I was pretty angry the way he played it on the Monday night because we saw trade collapse on that Tuesday morning. Um, to me, that was just, uh, what's the expression That uh, being too unkind to Boris? I cowered in a panic. Uh, it, was a, it was an odd one, wasn't it? It was an yeah. odd discussion. Why not, you know, just pick up the phone, speak to Kate and your guests would say, we need to j- jump, we'll jump together. We'll yeah. tell guests not to come to you, but I'm telling you guys to close. If we'd have been able to close now and get it ready, uh, get the business ready, we'd have been in such a better place. Quite a few operators didn't do themselves any good that week uh, by fiercely you know, resisting having to close. We closed early. As soon as I knew that furlough was coming and that we knew what support packages was in place, I didn't want the biggest problem, and pe- I've had this debate with people about when you should have closed. Um, if I'd have closed on t- Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, I would have panicked my team. Mm-hmm. I would have terrified them. I needed yeah. to wind the business down. We closed on a Thursday afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was the right thing to do. It was gentle closure. Uh, we had full. We, we communicated with our, all of our team members every single day during that week, and we saw every single team member on that Friday. So, so we closed gently. Um, we're going to reopen in the same way gently and sitting in a supportive way for our teams
0: yeah okay and and what uh, lastly uh, government support changes to the package I mean they keep every time they get asked a question they come out and say look we've we've given you sea uh, bills we've given you grants even though 71% of the hospitality sector doesn't qualify for them wow. uh, what, 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 what what more yeah. can they do more, we can furlough, furlough, is,
1: furlough is good furlough is furlough probably is. the best thing the government has done yeah um, I also think that the Chancellor is I feel very confident when he's got his hand on the tiller
0: yeah
1: uh, so I think I think that's been good let's not kid ourselves the government have not given us yes C-bills all <laughs> exactly. the government have done is agreed a package of guarantee and support to the banks yeah. who, who will make a who decent the level banks of and give us the money based <laughs> on the level of guaranteed support they will get from government yeah. nobody has given anybody anything <laughs> yet? No, exactly. But all yeah. it is. This is borrowings. Uh, the grants I would say have been very good. We yeah. did
0: qualify for a couple of grants. Did you? Yeah, yeah we we, we were um, cunningly. I think we were two k out in both directions. We were fifty. Yeah, it, was cause it was between fifteen and fifty one, isn't yeah. it? And I had one at thirteen and one at fifty three, and this one was my. Well, I it's so, just uh, th- Yeah, I didn't do very well at those. The
1: one benefit of buying very small, tired, under underdeveloped pubs is that you know we had reasonably decent RV values on a couple of sites, so we did okay on that one. Uh, so so that's been good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, and having a business rates holiday yeah. is good. Anything else you need though? VAT comes up a lot. It's Any good. other thoughts on something we need as a? Yeah, software. reduce VAT Monday to Thursday. We need to. Borrow, we we all work very hard as a as a population in this country to flatten Boris's sombrero. You and I have a sombrero. Mm-hmm. And That sombrero is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We need them. We need we need Joe Public to come and see us. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, please, please flatten the trading patterns. We don't have the capacities on the key shifts. So come and see us, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, please. Make that your Saturday night, uh, because it protects the shifts of the teams that are working, it flattens the trade, we don't have the capacity. And if we can move, because we don't have the capacity, we can move staff hours from the weekends into the Mm midweeks. If you, give it, if you come and support
0: us in the midweek mm. and we can protect jobs, yeah that would be amazing, Certainly the most of the models we 're looking at are you know at best opening five days, not seven yeah uh, and, and the, the reason for that is because it means we can run on one team, whereas being open seven days a week from eight in the morning till eleven means we need three teams. but the problem with that is that I lose sixty percent of my team. Yeah. And then I've got, and I need them back in April. Yeah. And, and, and we uh, need to articulate that's, that's that really heart, carefully. That's heartbreaking. And so, yeah. the
1: thing is, we know, I mean, although I mean, I'm worried now about credibility, you know, the messaging from government, I mean, that's all wobbled a bit now. People were doing as they told in the first few weeks. It all seems to have wandered and wobbled a bit. And I'm worried about that now because there was a window of opportunity where government could have said, look, if you're working from home, if you're having a friend's night out in the pub, go on a Wednesday. Yeah. You're going to get a table, yeah, yeah, you're going to get a good deal probably. And look, if you're working from home, You know, rock out of bed at kind of quarter past eight, upper state. The boss will see you at Zoom at nine o'clock. You'll look all right. You'll pull it off. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, You know, make make Wednesday new
0: Saturday. Flatten our sombrero now. Yeah, well, that's a good message. I think if we can get that out to the public and say, yeah, what you know, what can you do? Is yeah, come out, come out on a Tuesday or Wednesday. It'll be quieter. It helps everybody out. It it? helps everybody out. But the thing is, it
1: protects the jobs as well because then we can stay open seven days. We can spread the shifts out and protect everybody's income. It would be good. It won't make any more money for us. No, I don't think we're going to make any money this year. Whatever. No, we're not going to make any money this year. Can we? We keep the team employed. but it will protect the teams, and that would be great.
0: And that does mean that next summer for us, certainly, we we're very seasonal with our outside spaces. But yeah, if we can keep the teams employed, right? Look, I've, I'm conscious that you need to That's uh, right, move yeah, no on. Worries. So thank you for sparing the time. Where should people go to follow either you personally or the business? Is, is there a particular oh, just, just on, on you LinkedIn? On? I'm, I'm dreadfully old fashioned when it
1: comes to social media, I keep getting told off, but Send I do a letter. I do a bit, yeah. Just yeah just carry a pigeon or Morse code. Right. Um, no, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, so just come and tap me up on LinkedIn. and You haven't I, got I a photo do. on there, Chris, I don't think. of you? No, I don't. I if too people scary. don't put a photo on that, they don't even
0: use it, but you do actually use it. Do just,
1: I, I, uh, do, yeah, I do, yeah, I do use LinkedIn a bit, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll I will actually, I, I keep being I off to make myself more <laughs> accessible. So uh, yeah. I normally rant and rave on Facebook, so I don't share that okay. too often. Well, so. I'll
0: put a link through to that on the show notes for this as well, but I'll also link through to uh, to Brew House and Kitchen. But yeah, thanks for spending the time, and uh, yeah, good luck finding a way through. And you're only down the road, so we'll meet next time, we'll meet in your place and uh, have, yeah, a, definitely, have a yeah. fun Well, ale. I keep
1: saying, you know, at the end of the day, all the operators in this area have got to know each other really well. I was talking to Ben yesterday from, uh, lost paradise you know yep. and I'd say saying how nice it is now that we're all talking communicating and I can just feel a really big beer coming on yeah perfect yeah and, and i quite end nice of, end, end of pandemic party exactly.
0: okay right thanks Chris appreciate it Okay, I've popped a link to Chris's LinkedIn channel in the show notes at humansofhospitality.co.uk as well as a link through to his business. Please check them out and whilst you're there, why not sign up for a weekly newsletter from me. It's a simple little form on the website and I promise not to send you any rubbish. You'll just get an email once a week with a little update on the latest guests and any special news or info I think it makes sense to share. Okay, thanks for listening. I will be back with a new episode on Saturday morning. Uh, And oh yeah, if you could just do me a favour, please pick up the device you're listening on, find the podcast and hit that five star review button. It makes me smile and that will make you feel good too. Thanks.